Hello and welcome to Marysville Church of Christ podcast. This is Under Attack, and my name is Bishop Darby. Welcome to the show. Last week we found ourselves in one of the most climactic and important spiritual conflicts recorded for us in Scripture. We find Jesus squaring off against Satan. And not only that, but on this battleground in which they find themselves, they're squaring off in a thousand-year-old battle. Not only for the sake of humanity, because if Jesus were to choose sin, then God's redemptive plan fails. And not only because of all of the hope that, that lies in this moment, the hope of future generations, people like us, But because in that moment, in that wilderness, Jesus was picking a fight with Satan to justify and fix the mistakes of the Israelites. These 40 years in the wilderness, these 40 days in the wilderness, parallel each other so beautifully. As Jesus embraces the brokenness and the fallenness of the people of Israel during the Exodus. Which, if you think about it, shouldn't surprise us, right? That's what Jesus always does. Jesus always bears the sins of people. But in this moment, in this conflict, he's bearing the sins of Moses. He's bearing the sins of the grumblers. He's bearing the sins of of all those who didn't have faith in the wilderness. And as we talked about last week, it really is kind of disappointing. It's disappointing that Satan can't come up with anything better. Instead, Satan, with his lack of imagination and lack of power, attacks Jesus the same way he attacked the Israelites. Today we're going to break down the first of the three temptations that Satan offered to Jesus. We're going to discuss how it affects us today, how Satan does it today, but also what it reveals about our spiritual conflict. The passage we're going to start with is in Luke chapter 4. After the Spirit takes him into the wilderness, after Jesus chooses his battleground, and after the battle is beginning to wage... The battle of, of words begins. If you are a son's God, said the devil, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus replied, it is written, it takes more than bread to keep you alive. In such a simple exchange, it might be easy to miss the meaning behind this. To help unpack that and set the stage for what we can learn, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses is writing a provision for the Israelites. He's asking them to remember all that God has done for them. The Israelites, as was common of them, was beginning to forget and minimize the effect of God. Beginning to focus on all the things they accomplished and not what God accomplished. This led them to be unsatisfied with their warrior king. And this led them to grumble against him. Moses, foreseeing the danger of this, tried to cut it off at its knees and said to them, Don't you remember all that God has done for you? And one of the first things he says is that he humbled you by making you hungry. This is Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. And then he fed you with unfamiliar manna. And in so doing, he taught humanity that they cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Your clothing did not wear out, nor did your feet swell all these forty years. So be keenly aware 
be keenly aware. What's amazing about this moment in the Old Testament was how similar it is to the Garden of Eden. It's amazing that humanity's one Achilles heel, the thing we do over and over and over again that Satan constantly exploits, is our self-reliance. In this moment in Deuteronomy chapter 8, the Israelites are just recapitulating what Eve did in the garden. When Eve took of the, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, she did so to make herself great. She did so that she wouldn't have to rely on anyone else. She didn't have to rely on Adam. She didn't have to rely on God. She could be a, a God in her own right. This desire for her to be in control of herself, this, this desire to be, to be self-reliant, led to the first sin of humanity and the destruction of creation. And it really, if you follow the narrative of Scripture, this is always, this is always the, the problem with us. We just want to be in control of ourselves. That's all we want. From Genesis 1 to Genesis 11 to Exodus 15 to here, we just want to be in control. And Moses is reminding the people that you can't be. In a world with so many spiritual powers, in a world with so much free moral agency, in a world that, that is such a complex matrix of choice and counter choices, in which we are constantly being engaged in conflicts and battles that we can't even see, there is no control to be had. But Satan lies. And Satan constantly says things like, but if you just choose, but if you just He's wrong. What's amazing is that Jesus' response was short and sweet and profound. It takes more than bread to keep you alive. I love the way the kingdom translation renders that. It takes more than bread to keep you alive. What Satan was doing to Jesus in the wilderness was the same temptation he did in Deuteronomy 8. It's the same temptation he did in so many times in the Old Testament. It's the same temptation that he used to cause humanity to fall. He asked Jesus to be self-reliant. He told Jesus, you, you manage your own hunger. You take care of this on your own. You don't rely on God. You don't rely on the Spirit. Don't do any of that. Just handle it. And Jesus said no. And have you ever considered how powerful of a statement that is? That Jesus said no. Because Jesus would always say no. But what's even more profound is that this was a temptation. That means there was a chance that Jesus would have said yes. Satan is not just going to waste his time. There was a real possibility that Jesus would have said yes. And it means that Jesus, deep down in his human his human heart wanted that control. He wanted the same control I want today. And in that moment when Satan said it, there was probably a part of Jesus, probably a large part of Jesus, that just wanted control. And we see that again come out in the Garden of Gethsemane, don't we? When he realizes that his fate is starting to spin ahead of him, that his redemptive plan, the mission he established was coming about, and he realized he wasn't in control. That right at that very moment, there was a Roman legion moving on to him. And that he was going to be thrown in front of human judges. He felt out of control. What did he pray to God? God, let this cup pass from me. 
This was something Jesus always was tempted by while he was in flesh. Simultaneously, that makes me feel a little better. Doesn't it make you feel a little better? That the Son of God, Jesus Almighty, was tempted by the same things I am, yet without sin. But how did Jesus respond in the face of self-reliance? In Luke chapter 4, he said no. And in Matthew chapter 26, he got on a cross. In John 19, he died. This is the way that Jesus knew how to handle the temptation of self-reliance. In the moment when he was tempted to take more control, he gave more up. He resisted the human impulse to say, I can do this on my own. I can turn these stones into bread. I can, I can stop the cross from happening, but he chose not to. Instead, he chose what true control looks like, and it's submission. And in our spiritual conflict today, there is no lesson that's more important than that. Because this is the same battle we've been fighting as humans since literally the dawn of time. Our desire for control. And the minute we give it up is the minute we finally win that war. What are you fighting for control of right now? What are you desperately craving to get under control? Because let me offer you a, a truth that Jesus tries to teach us in Luke 4. There is no control, except in Christ. The minute we give it up, that's the minute we find it. What are we going to give up for Jesus? What are we going to trust him with? And what are we going to do to turn the tides of this century-old conflict? I'll see you next week. Thank you.